From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 87, and today I'm joined by Alex Paxton Beasley, who you might have seen on series such as Pure, Cardinal, Murdoch Mysteries, as well as the film Dirty Singles, as well as Stephen McCarthy, who's been on series Crawford, Frankie Direct Mysteries, Mary Kills People, for which he won a Canadian Screen Award, as well as films like Picture Day and The Steps. And today is probably our most obscure episode, although I'd like to think that the way we cover it... um, it's okay for once that you don't see these movies. Although, man, I, I really think you should check them out. Um, yeah, so without further ado, we're going to sit down and watch not one, but many, many films together. So we're sitting down uh, to watch many movies. Uh, this is what will be known as the Lubitsch Musicals episodes. We're watching The Love Parade, Monte Carlo, The Smiling Lieutenant, and One Hour With You. I'm Jeremy. I've seen none of these films. I'm Steve. I've seen none of these films. I'm Alex, and I have never seen any of Lubitsch's films at all. Pure Virgin yeah. episode! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm gonna really, come up with a name for this marathon. I'm not sure. We're I'm gonna, really... Oh. Well, your Lubitsch musicals works. Lubitschathon. It's, it's the... Yeah. Uh, I'm just excited, because I've done a couple of these marathon episodes on my own, so having some of the other people join me... Mm. Like, I just asked Steve randomly, and he's like, we should get someone, one more person. I was like, holy fuck... If I can get two people to sit with me all day and watch movies, I know. That's it like, is really early right now. This it's is my Christmas. <laughs> this yeah. is my Christmas. Yeah, um, for, probably not for regular people. Probably but, no, but no. For me, for, it's early yeah. in the morning. Well, it's, it's like Tiff movie early. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And it's way farther from Parkdale to your house. It's way yeah. farther. <laughs> and it's super raining. close for me. <laughs> my commute was amazing this morning. <laughs> Uh, so you have seen? You haven't seen? You don't know any movie? You, I haven't seen bitch. any of his movie, but I know uh, you've got mail. Very well, which is based on the shop around the corner. This is true. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Her right. shop is called the shop around the corner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Film. Just to make it really like blatant. Just to be like, hey guys, yeah, just FYI. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's a classic. And so, what do you know about Lubitsch? I I'm tr- I was trying to remember what movies I've seen. I think I've seen. I think maybe it's Heaven Can Wait. Maybe it's just Heaven Can, can Wait. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another one that I just remember, like Dukes and Princesses and lots of weirdness. And to it be was, or not, is it to be or not to be? It might be. I'm is not it not sure. Nazi meets Shakespeare? No, because oh, I've seen the Mel Brooks version. Great. I've seen yes, yeah. I've seen the Mel Brooks version of that one, and I, and I don't think I've seen the original. Yeah, um, but I think it might be even a more obscure one. And I don't, I don't know the title, but it, but I, I remember, you know, meeting my friends who were going to film school and them telling me about like that Lubitsch was the guy who influenced everybody and Billy it's, Wilder. It's really people. amazing. Like I just mm-hmm. recently kind of really got into him and really discovered him in the last year or so and realized that he was like the godfather of everything in mm-hmm. terms of like comedy. 
Uh, I just watched Heaven Can Wait yesterday, mm. which is so delightful. I'll just give you the quick pitch. You did some okay. prep. It's you basically about a guy who shows up in the afterlife, shows up in hell, and gets down to have a personal meeting with Satan. He's like, there's been a mistake. He's like, there's never mistakes. You, you know. Shouldn't He's like, no, no, there's a mistake. They want me to go to heaven. I belong here. <laughs> I was like, that's a great setup for a movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was made in like the 30s, the early 40s. Wow. You know? So here's what's fascinating about Lubitsch. I'll give you my little 10 second speech um, and then we'll move on. But what he's like, if you look at, I'm getting really obsessed at this point in my life, which was looking at the people that influenced me. And then now that I've absorbed all of their stuff, I go, oh, well, who influenced them? Mm-hmm. And I started absorbing all their stuff, right? And so I'm now back into the deep dive. I'm now into, like, the 30s and 20s movies. Yeah, you've, like, gone layer by layer by layer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. so now once you move through, like, you know, your, your Cameron Crowe's and your Woody Allen's and your uh, David Russell's and you move down to Billy Wilder and then you move around there and then you realize below that surface is where you get Ernest Lubitsch. Mm-hmm. And so what's fascinating about Lubitsch is he's a German director who, like, his most famous stuff is all all English, you know, he kind of created the modern romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. But before he did that, he did the musical. He kind of brought the movie musical into fr- fruition. That's what um, that's what happened to me when you posted the Criterion thing. I was like, Lubitsch musicals? You what know, is that? I was like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. So. And so it's interesting. Some movies like Heaven Can Wait and The Shopper in the Corner and To Be or Not To Be. And there's a couple others in there. That and Heaven like, Can Wait was remade as well. I saw that one in the, that's in the 70s with Warren Beatty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that one's been redone too. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, and it could be done again. I was watching it going. I think I've told a version of this story. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's so it's just and the comedy still stands up because what was also fascinating about Lubitsch is a lot of his films, if not all of his films, most of them anyway, were made in the pre-code era. Mm-hmm. So it was before the Hayes Production Code comes in and before starts Morality Police and Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> these so, all the all three of these are made pre-code, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, to be or not to be is just like taking a piss on Hitler just before World War II. It's the kind of thing where you're watching it going, you guys have no idea who you're making fun of right now. Oh my mm-hmm. God. You know, it's really ballsy and out there. Watch to be or not to be. It's, okay. it's a head trip. Awesome. It's basically like a, one of those, you know, what is it called? The bedroom comedy where it's like people are, someone's pretending to be somebody else. And like the, yeah, the doorway? Yeah. It's a farce for sure, but it's dark. In really beautiful, you're like this was made in the 30s. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? And it made and it kind of and these are all pre-code to these musicals. Okay. So sexy. You know, who knows Sex what's going to be like, in these yeah. things? It's going to be interesting because it's not. A lot of people think of older movies and they think of stuff that's made during the code era, when you know there's all these rules in place for morality and how married the, couples the, had the to bedroom be slowly disclosing. Yeah, you, you, married, <laughs> you know if they weren't married, they couldn't have sex mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, right? Uh, but at the end of Kevin Can Wait, there's an advertisement for war bonds. Hmm. You wow. know? Fascinating. So there's like a little sticker on the post. It's like, the end. And there's a little thing in the corner that has like an imprinted war bond logo on it, which is really fascinating. Uh, so yeah, anyway. That's what makes me really excited with these, knowing that. And it makes me wonder, it's like, what would have happened and where would we be at in terms of cinema if the, if the code era never happened? Mm-hmm. You know? Because that's 30 years of content that was just really kind of put through this weird filter of of, uh, of, of, of people who were just like who were those people who yeah were, who were, you know yeah what were their given those positions yeah, yeah. and yeah. so when we came out of it we rebelled hard you know that's how you get Easy Rider yeah, and right. all the movies of the, the, the late sixties and seventies mm-hmm. yeah. right 
I, I read a book. Anne Bogart is a famous theater director in the States, uh, had an essay about how the McCarthy era, um, the reason that American theater in some ways is so um, uh, stunted and, and sort of stuck in the realist realism tradition and the idea of sort of like the, the plays that we see on Broadway and the kind of like the m- plays that, you know, we see now and be like, oh, that's going to make a good movie. And you're like, yeah. oh, then why is it in the theater? Um, is that is that the McCarthy era basically killed all of those impulses that kind of went to Hollywood and kind of more expressionist and, 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 and sort of other traditions in, in theater. And that a lot of that stuff sort of got sublimated into, into the film world. And it's interesting because the, the, the code thing could be seen as the same, the same idea. So why are, why are we so, um, why are we still so kind of stuck in this puritanical mode of thinking? It's fascinating because you'd think like that era you know, all those people coming home from the war mm-hmm. that had or seen all of the these, war. or escaping mm-hmm. the war that actually probably had this, definitely had this deep emotional life that needed to be expressed and things that weren't the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the fifties were so, must've been such a problem artistically in America. Mm-hmm. You had to sort of be, be you had to be careful. The, yeah. The repression and yeah. yeah. Well, all the, things that you know, could have been. everybody, every, everyone that is anyone in, in the sort of twenties, thirties, forties, fifties movies, were usually uh, people fleeing persecution in Germany or in yeah. France or in other countries, Austria. All right, we should get started. Yeah, let's let's do, do this. this. Now, here's a question. Do you want me to read what's on the back, the little blurb, or you just want to go in super cold? Um, I like to go in. I go in cold. Super cold? Yeah. I'm cool with whatever. Yeah. All right, so here we are. First up is the love parade. So we just finished. So, so I'm gonna read the description that's on the back of okay. the the disc. So, just with our audience, because we do realize this is probably our most obscure episode ever. So, thanks for being yes. with us. <laughs> uh, Ernest Lubitsch's first talking picture was also Hollywood's first movie musical to integrate songs with narrative. Whoa. Additionally, the Love Parade made stars that are Parisian showman Maurice Chevalier. I'm probably saying Chevalier. That Chevalier. There we go. And girl from Philly, Jeanette McDonald. Jeanette McDonald? Mm-hmm. Cast as a womanizing military attache and the man-hungry queen of Sylvania. With its naughty innuendo and satiric romance, the love parade opened the door for a coming decade of witty screen battles of the sexes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For real. This, I love this. Mm-hmm. It felt really um, modern. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, it's interesting. I mean, we have to talk about the ending because, but there's also this thing uh, that we didn't talk about in the intro. Have you ever heard of the Lubitsch touch? No. Yep. So the Lubitsch touch is uh, basically, it's, it's, it's kind of what we would, it's the kind of thing you know about without even knowing about it. Because all it really is, is just really, it's callbacks. Mm. And it's the way jokes layer upon jokes. Oh. So that way, um... When something happens later, it doesn't really need to be like a setup joke. It's just something happens, you're like, ah, like yeah. the, the, can, the running gag of the cross eyes, yeah. and and the way that the ending of this movie is a mirror image to when they first met, mm-hmm. but now the roles are reversed. That's the epitome of the Lubitsch touch, the idea of like taking something that we had at the beginning of the movie and then turning it on its head and creating a new joke out of it. Well, that's me. I didn't know that that's what it meant. I, I kind of. 
Uh, yeah, th- that he was the first person to sort of t- try those layers. I had always just interpreted it as being like, oh my, his magic, a, a sort of sexiness and slyness and no, darkness Lu- at the same time. Like, no, I think the Lubitsch touch specifically refers to the way he d- would layer jokes hmm. and do reversals on jokes and just really create kind of running gags throughout. And I think he was one of the first people to really, really do that consistently. And hmm. that's, as far as I know, is what the Lubitsch touch hmm. refers to. Mm-hmm. Uh where to start? You guys go, because I have so much to say. I mean, I know that, like, obviously, The Crown is biographical, but, like, was it also based on this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> because I just see so many parallels between, like... The and I guess Consort it is just... kind of, yeah. yeah. it is just that, like, you know, d- the... the, the um, oh, before we do, we should set a timer. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have yeah. to keep this we day keep, going. Um, yeah, we, gotta, we have to have yeah. our catering coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, just just the the you know the the female monarch and the difficulty of her husband in accepting that he doesn't have any Actual real power. power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean it's a fa- it's a fascinating dynamic, and in that time too, like mm-hmm. yeah, this movie is what's the year on it? It's like nineteen thirty nineteen twenty nine. Wow! So this movie so... is almost ninety years old. Holy Crazy, cow. you know. But what I love, I love, like, for the most part, it's not played as, like, as her being a woman of power is not played as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's taken very seriously. Like, none of the, none of the really men are questioning. It's not like her, her cabinet is questioning her ability to do No, things. no one's saying, yeah, true. can you do this job? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they yeah. all, yeah. Yeah. It, and it's just, and it's just played straight that, no, you don't have any say over her. It's like, yeah. we have to wait for you. And there's no, like, hey, man, I get it. I would yeah. totally let you, but the rules, the rules, like nobody just, they, they don't respect him the way that it's, it's done beautifully then. I mean, even now it would play as a great role reversal, Yeah, which is kind yeah. of sad yeah. that we're still, which is sad. But I feel yeah. like w- it, that's one of the things that happened to me when, when I was a, an early teenager and I started looking at old movies, especially my mom would introduce me to movies, maybe not this old, but more of the, the fifties and sixties is that I realized that modernity or, or kind of is not a continuum. You know what I mean? Like I think when we're young, we imagine that, Oh, well today everything is solved and we've, we're so far along in, yeah. in all our understanding of the way human interactions are supposed to happen. Yeah. And when you see movies like this, you realize that, you know, that we're in an ebbing and flowing. I mean, we could look at our own time right now and, and, yeah. and look at the kind of infantilization of, of, of the average movie at the Cineplex and see us see ourselves in a very sort of weirdly puritanical time where violence is is expressed in all sorts of movies and sexuality is somehow so still so taboo. And yeah. You see a movie like this that is so sexy. I, I can't yeah. even believe how many moments that I was just like, I felt like I didn't want you guys to look at me because I felt like my jaw was like... <laughs> <laughs> dripping down my cheek like yeah yeah does even the moment like the moment where he, where they're first having their first sort of major date and he kisses her hand like a queen and she turns it over and he yeah. kisses the, her palm yeah and I was like wow so, so just to give context to sort of the story in case you don't know it so so it's basically about a, a, a philandering uh, count mm-hmm. in Paris who uh, is kicked out of the country, for brought a, back to his own country, yeah, for having yeah. too many affairs, having too many affairs, <laughs> yes. and sent to uh, Sylvania, which is a made-up country, uh, where the queen is kind of, you know, the the hubbub in, in that country is that she is an unmarried queen, and that she's has dreams about sex, you know, yeah. like, and she's like super sexed up, like yeah. 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 So they end up getting. She married. doesn't really want to get married. 
No. Until she meets him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she, cause, and that's what distracted. is like, oh, you have experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. yeah I love and that. And so they, they get married. <laughs> He's reading the thing. Um, and then it's about whether or not he can handle the fact that she's in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that. I love that. It's like, there's that great moment too. Where he comes in, he's like, "I got, a, I have a plan. I can help you guys." Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just like, "Yeah, sorry, we can't look at it." Yeah, we're just not allowed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I, that's what I was hoping the ending was going to be was as opposed because what happens at the end, spoiler, is that she basically says, "I'll let you be in charge now." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let which you be I the king. Did, which bothered me. Well, mm-hmm. but I thought. And initially that was bothering me, but I thought that she was saying that he could be in charge of, of the, Navy. the Navy and something else. She's like, you can have some jobs. Okay. Because I was, oh yeah, the ending was not my favorite. Yeah, it sort of wraps it up neatly, Well, really and quickly. he's just so passive aggressive. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my god. They kind of never come to a full, yeah, they kind of never come to a place where it's like passion, passion brings them back together. Yeah. yeah. It's more of... They sort of use the template of of, of, of of reversing the song that we saw yeah, earlier, yeah, yeah. where now he's the one sort of dishing out the punishment or whatever. Yeah, which I thought was cute. All I wanted was her to be like, yeah, well, look at your budget. Yeah. I'm like, that, that ending would have been great for me. It's like, I don't want him to be in charge, no. but it's nice nice for them to be able to chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. Be, be, his, be her Michelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obama. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, like put him in charge of some things. He yeah, must yeah. have some skills. Yeah, that's just it. And so that so that was good. Okay, good. I'm but I think they, you know, they sort of there's there's a bit of redemption in that in that in in that in the sense of they show the that the common people are yeah. super equal. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, yes. they they show that the the, well, she ta- the, the I mean, servant and the uh, his 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 those two and her were servant. amazing. Oh my god, and and that dance scene is insane. But even just the fact that just the the casting of the two of them that she's you know. Above, yeah. she's bigger than him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he's a small little. Uh, yeah, I can't. I love that they get the trying to pass him off as a Frenchman. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Is zero accent. <laughs> no accent yes. whatsoever. Well, then they they make that great joke about how he, you know, they sort of like, well, how are we going to excuse Maurice Chevalier's accent? So they make that whole scene to, yeah. just as a joke in order to excuse his, you know, taking on of the foreign accent. But the, the butler guy, like, just that opening scene where he's just narrating the stuff he's putting, or not narrating, singing the stuff he's putting on a table, and then does that great, you know, handkerchief pull away. Yeah. Oh, we were all yeah. like, whoa! I know, because you don't expect that kind of, And even when he does that first trip, you know, you're not prepared for him to be that kind of physical comedian. No. And then it's revealed and in there's the There's that great sequence, musical like, number whoa. between the two of them where yeah. they're like just, just like punching each other. Down, yeah. Just down, yeah. Just punching each other! <laughs> it reminds it's basically me. about rough sex. Like, the whole song is about yeah. kind of, like, expressive sex. Like, yeah. yeah. We can fuck how we want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. She's literally like holding his hair and <laughs> throwing him up and down. Yeah, his physicality was amazing. Oh, man. So And great. hers, too. Like, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. yeah. With all those little little hand gestures, those sort of sexy little kind of facial kind of yeah. framing. I, I also really loved uh, the Queen's cabinet. Like, mm. like, the ongoing joke of them all just like whispering. <laughs> Having zero life of their own. They're always yeah. just around. They're just Literally there. Chorus. They're just watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so many great, like, bits in there. It feels like they're, like, it feels like that movie would play so well today, really. Mm-hmm. Like, it there's really would. very little that you would need to change to make no, it, it seem holds completely up. modern. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, for that, better, for That's worse. what's really, really amazing about it. Yeah, little bits, like, I love that when they're leaving Paris and they all have their little song on the balcony and the dog has a chorus. Oh, my God. 
they, and I give it a full court. Like, yeah, they, it wasn't just like one like harp, harp, harp. They let him go for a bit. Yeah, I know. He had a whole bit while he had to say goodbye to uh, the girl dogs. I loved it. It was oh, so man. good. Uh, also, why why did Maurice Chevalier? Only every once in a while, talk directly to us. Yeah, like, maybe I know. Like three or four times yes. in the film, it was something like, "Oh, and you're you're speaking right to us." I know. Okay. I mean, it's so <laughs> yeah. It's like we look at that now and we're like, "Ooh, breaking the fourth wall." It's such a thing. But it's like back then, you know, they're just coming out of theater, mm-hmm. and that's such a people, audiences are used to that. This like, is the yeah. first movie musical. I that's mean, that's crazy. great. Like, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I love those moments where he wrote the first world where he's just like, because that scene is all in French, and then we're sitting going, why is that guy now going out? It's her husband. He yeah. just turns to us and tells us, like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of needed that. I wasn't. And then it's just so at the funny. end again when when she says you can have some power, and he's like, he looks at us like, see? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, it worked man. out. What, what I really loved about this movie was the use of point of view. And I loved how uh, they didn't give us all the information all the time. Like, there's that moment where he's first there and he's telling the story about what's going on, about what he did mm-hmm. to the other guy. And then it cuts outside. Yes. And you just see from the, the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you're smiling. And you come back in. And then he gives, like, some weird punchline. You're like, what was the middle of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. yourself. But even then, when they have their first date, we don't get to see their dinner conversation. Yeah. It's all through the point of view of the servants mm-hmm. and then the cabinet. Yeah. 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 You know? The commentary. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And when and when she's, you know, when he's packing to go, it's just her outside the room. Just a lot of that. Just this, like, Lubitsch deciding to go, this is the character where we want to follow in this moment. We don't need to see all the different sides of it and, and pollute the narrative. Mm-hmm. We'll just pick a really interesting, what's the most interesting point of view in yeah. this moment? Yeah. Well, trusting that the story is classic enough that we sort of know what's happening. Mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. need to see the actual narrative beats. Exactly. We can see... Yeah, so someone's someone's point of view. It's really it's cool. Mm-hmm. I was impressed also just by how the the filmmaking in service of jokes was so sophisticated compared to kind of lots of comedies that we see today where they they're not using. You know, they're not just watching dialogue. They're doing things like that, where you cut back to you know from him having you know escaped his terrible breakfast to go eat an apple because at least he's chosen the apple. To then cutting back to <laughs> there's like fifty apples <laughs> and he's been there for how long? Like just so many crazy visual jokes that I feel like you know a lot of complaint about the, the way American comedy is is filmed today is that it's just kind of like long form improv with with talking you know just cutting yeah. from head to head to head to head to head mm-hmm. and uh and and this was you know more similar to something like Edgar Wright where you're like oh my the the the, the cuts are making the jokes and like, just different styles of jokes it's mm-hmm. not always one thing yeah, yeah. there's the, like there's innuendo there's yeah. physical like the jokes with the gun at the beginning of the film, I was like, "This is magnificent." Oh my when God. he opens the drawer this and it's joke. full of tiny <laughs> guns. Or even the moment where he, where the, the the husband walks over with the gun that's just we think has killed the the the, the mistress. mistress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she and then just shoots herself yes. in the chest. I know, which which was yeah. really shocking to us. This I think all of us. And then he goes over to Miss Valley, the husband, and pulls the trigger, and it doesn't go. And, he's like, and then he's looking around for the <laughs> bullet wound, and it's not. There. And then they both consult each other to be like, I'm not sure what's wrong with the gun. They're both like working on like, I don't know. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that remind and that's the kind of thing that I'm like, that feels like such something that Woody Allen took away. There's that great moment in uh, Take the Money and Run. Have you seen this movie? No. He goes to rob a bank and he shows that he uses a letter. He shows the letter, he just passes the letter along to the, the clerk. And he's like, What's this? I can't read this. He's like, 
I have a gub? No, it's, it's gun. I wrote gun. He's like, that says gub. And, he, and he's getting people to look over and look. And it just makes me think it was like such a human moment inside of such a, a heightened thing. Yeah, right. And it's like, and then that's where I start to see, oh, that's where these influences are coming from. Yeah, yeah. Like a moment like that where someone who just had gun pointed at him is going, let me see that gun. There's a reason it didn't work. Yeah. I can, I can help you with this. Do you have the safety on? Like, do you know how to yeah. use a gun? <laughs> yeah. I, I said during the movie, I totally felt like Mia Farrow in Purple Rose of Cairo because it's all all so beautiful and opulent and the costumes are like oh amazing her bathrobe at the end is oh my god on point but even the scene where they're all sitting around trying to ask her about his sexy dream that she has she's having a bath in this opulent bath and it just it tantalizes like I don't know it's just it's so it's so sexy and so I don't know so empowering too to have this woman like where you're, 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 she's framed so you can just see the top of her chest yeah. and yet she's just being so free and sort of with this big huge sponge and, and yeah. talking about how the dream that she has is not even you know quite right for a lady in waiting like, yeah. I was just like Oof, they were good. both yeah. so expressive facially mm-hmm. like so much like pouting and, and like move just movement like but it didn't they feel were so like, free but it didn't feel like the bad acting of that era no no no, no, no. Like, even I legit it wasn't posing the no. way that like some some films from like the '30s turn into that. But it's, it's just you, like it's, finding yeah. your light and then holding. This was just like it's using an array of expressions to try yeah. to kind of like we know what that thing yeah. is. We and know I what the coy like, look is. We know yeah. what the kind of sexy look is. We know what it was the like wink. verging on commedia, like mm. almost that. But they were both. They're like uh, no wonder this was a star making turn for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but, but I'm I, used to. I saw her in you know uh, first thing I saw Jeanette McDonald was in Rosemarie, which is. The famous for being like the Mountie. She was the she was mm-hmm. Jeanette McDonald and Nelson yeah. Eddy, and they would you know when I'm calling you, and that's much <laughs> more even a few probably like ten years later. That's much more um, sort of sweet and innocent. Whereas this is salacious and kind of yeah. like exciting. Like. She spends most of the movie in a nightgown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say my only complaint, and it's not her fault. It's just like the, the style of female singing in movies at the time so, is that really piercing yeah. high singing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, she, I, I love that she like felt like a regular human being. Yeah, yeah. Like she, as, as we were saying when we watched, she rem- oh, there's a timer. There's a timer. Uh, she reminds me of like Lizzie Kaplan or yeah. something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It reminded she- me a lot of of something like, especially in the early before it got too dark and sexy. Reminded me a lot of what. Um, the Walt Disney early films would yeah. sound like and feel like, and mm-hmm. even the poses that they would strike would be like, oh, this is this is what they were copying when they did Snow White. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. All right, so we got to keep on sh- on okay. schedule. Let's do this. Final thoughts. So sexy. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Really love Maurice Chevalier just smiling all the time. Oh my God. Talking. That was so funny. That was a great way to start this. Uh, so yeah, check this movie out. Yeah. If you can. It's yeah. great. I yeah, can't wait to it. see what it, the next thing is. The next yeah. one is called Monte Carlo. Wow. It could be anything. I like I like this. I like the I like this now. This is good. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll quickly read uh, the description from Monte Carlo that we just watched. Uh, Jeanette McDonald's independent-minded countess leaves her foppish prince fiancé at the altar and whisks away to the Riviera. There she strikes the fancy of the sly Count Rudolph, theater veteran Jack Bucket Buchanan who poses as a hairdresser to get into her boudoir. Mm. Lewis's follow-up to the Love Parade shows even more musical invention and presents McDonald at her sexually haughty best. Ooh. Thoughts? Don't know about that. I don't know. Oh, I mean, in general. Yeah. In general. 
I'm just, I'm just letting the audience know what. Uh, I think she was more sexually haughty in their previous film, myself. Yeah, but it, it, she did not have feathers on her pubis in the first. That's film. true. That's true. That was an exciting effort. Yeah. Um, I really like Jeanette McDonald. I think she's pretty amazing. She's great. Like she's. She's so good. Mm-hmm. She's so so good. Mm-hmm. Well, she because in a lot of acting, what, what, what they both do and has been happening in both these movies is there's those moments between moments mm-hmm. that don't exist in a lot of movies of this era. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and the ending plays particularly into that when she's starting to realize how meta that ending is. And, <laughs> That she's literally watching her life unfold her. <laughs> so and much time, like, leaning forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards. She's yeah. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of amazing comedy that comes out of that. Yeah, you can tell why he wanted to make another movie with her. And he's yes. just like, okay. But it felt to me like this one was like, in, like let's just make another musical right away. Well, I'm sure and, Love Parade was like nominated for their version of the Oscars mm-hmm. at the time, which were not much of... Much more than a supper club, really, mm-hmm. in the, in the 20s. So uh, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, it still is. I love that the, um, uh, his, the, the Count's, not, not, uh, Count Rudolph, but the other guy, that his father was the, uh, they put back... One of the, the, one of the chorus mm-hmm. members of the, the, of, of the, the leaders of, of Sylvania. The love yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, love, yeah. I love that he, I was just sad that he did, wasn't in more of it, because he was so great. Uh, this yeah. one really made me appreciate the genius of Maurice Chevalier and how well-paired and what chemistry can mean to a movie, mm-hmm. because yeah. this movie, to me, did not have the same chemistry at all, and he, he was actually kind of like... A, he was like, irredeemable, kind of like icky. I thought he was going to be the villain for a little while, and it was yes. going to sort of turn out. And then, and then but you know that he's not because it's like no, because the foppish husband is it's, yeah, clearly right. the wrong one to be with. Although he was delightful, he had yeah, in a weird way. He was more sympathetic in a way than oh, the, he was. yeah, the foppish guy. Yeah, yeah, that was my big problem with this movie too. Is that I thought like all the beats make sense, and I love the idea of oh, he's rich too, but he's not going to let her know because he wants to make sure that he actually digs her. But the casting was poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he, he seems so devious and kind of creepy and yeah, icky, well, and I don't but it makes the thing that Rose Chevalier is able to do with this sort of like smiling, kind of double walk of being the the kind of sympathetic put upon guy because you know women are, are strong and he has to be weak and he has to s- deny his virility or something like that. But he was still so sympathetic in, mm-hmm. in Love Parade, whereas this hero was a little bit uh, just felt like he was a bit menacing, a bad match. Yeah. And I didn't really, I didn't really understand why he went through the ruse. Mm-hmm. Well, it was just like, yeah. it was love at first sight. Yeah. And that's all it was. That's all we yeah. got. Yeah, yeah. Which is the problem with it. There was like, yeah. there's all these missing moments. There was that. Yes. And there was also, they go off to win money at the table and then uh, her fiance is already at the table so it's like, oh, we can't do that. So then they have this great And then the next, the next yes. cut is her coming She's home in love. In love. Yeah. And I say, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where? You just, you just yada yada past like, <laughs> the most important... Which is yeah. him earning her trust or her love. Yeah, so I wanted yeah. to see that sequence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the part where he is actually a lovable hero. Or where she she puts something at stake mm-hmm. for, to, to risk her, her, yeah. her, her security for him. Because there's something about, like, he was, at the very beginning of the film, he's calling to reserve a table, and he sees her lose all of her money at the craps table, yes. at the roulette table. Yeah. And yeah. then he doesn't, he cancels the date. Like, right. what... 
What is that? So is he also not interested in it her unless made, she has money? Yeah, it really did not set up. It set I up, didn't it understand. Set, it felt like it was a setup for a con man game. Yeah, you know what I, I didn't mean? think like, that he was rich. No, no. I know it took a long time for that to really be clear. It was very, yeah. very strange. Which I kind of like. This is one where I look at it and I'm like, oh man, all the elements are there. Mm-hmm. Like there's, It's a great story. I like the ruse. Um, I never love it when you've got you know, a love triangle where clearly... The one person is just the foil, mm-hmm. yes. but I love that in this version, and even they call it on it when she's like, "I'll only go with you for the money." He's like, "I love how honest you are. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be the happiest couple ever because yeah. we'll never keep you anything for each other." I was like, "Yeah." So at least I love that though he's aware of it. He's aware that he's the foil. So there's something nice about that. But it has all this elements. But think about it like this: like if you retold this story now and you cast like Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. as like the as Rudolph, mm-hmm. like. Someone like that gets away with the charm. Although he's kind of yes. icky too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he walks, but he walks that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not, there's a million actors that could do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. what I mean. But it's like, for, so I look at this and it's like, oh, the elements are all there. You could do this better. Well, it's funny because yeah. you know, um, I'm not, I'm gonna. Uh, I think it's School for Scandal or The Country Wife. I can't remember. Is the restoration comedy on which Shampoo is based? Where right. uh, in order to get to sleep with as many women as possible, the man poses as a gay hairstylist. Which is so it's that that shampoo oh, yeah. is based on Warren Beatty. You know, again Warren Beatty, which funnily. I haven't seen. Funnily so enough, I, Warren I, Beatty because he wrote, it up though. He he he. Uh, Warren Beatty is an interesting actor because he really is the '70s version of, of playing that line of sexy. Uh, I, I don't trust you at the same like yeah, you know, sexy his famous, dangerous. His famous own you know the role that he created for himself was you know Bonnie in Bonnie and Clyde was mm-hmm. this guy who is impotent you know and is still the hero of the movie. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't afraid of doing that, but it's funny that it feels like this movie in a way in a weird way was based on a good idea which is what would you do to get into you know to get access to women if you didn't have any other way to do it or if she was you know sort of but he was cloistered. a count. He was a count. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what sort of undercut the whole thing is that the, Yeah, there's some know. elements of it that just don't quite like he's a he's a wealthy count. Yeah. Why wouldn't he just approach her? Yeah, I, yeah. And, and the, what they don't set up which is where I would take it is the idea that it's like he sees all the stuff he sees the ruse she's pulling on the other guy mm-hmm. and it's like she's clearly just you know looking for money mm-hmm. and if he's like well I, I am into her though I do like her as and a person and she knows that she doesn't have money now and yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. I would want to know that she wanted me as a human being and not just for my money before I let her know I have money yeah because mm-hmm. I see how she's acting with this other guy but it doesn't yeah. really do that either no. well because we just never see her wanting him for anything we don't see the moment when she wants him for something other than his money. We see the aftermath like of the realization. Kind of yeah. Oh my god, I'm so yeah. hot for you it's now. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the ending of the musical within the musical is a is the better ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where he's like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. You <laughs> treat me like shit. You yeah. when yeah, you thought like, I was the hairdresser, yeah. so... Yeah, there's society. nothing to forgive. Like, you, you live by society's rules, but... No, I'm not in love with you. Yeah. I you love suck. that because when when you sing a song like that in this era, when he's like, "There's nothing to forgive," you're like, "Oh, he just loves her unconditionally." It's like, "No, there's nothing to forgive because fuck you." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, gold digging bi. Yeah, exactly. You live yeah. by society's rules. I mean, Die. I do like that in both of these films, she's playing an um, what begins as a very independent, headstrong woman. Yeah. Mm. I think both in both movies, she loses that, which mm. is frustrating. But it's cool to see, like, 
she's a queen in the first one. And in this one, she's a countess, like on her own. She's capable of doing things by herself. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that's what makes it like a comedy of this era is the idea is like... Know, Pretty Woman's pretty much the same story. <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. But it's yeah, like, the sad thing is we're now it's like, we see this and we're like, oh, we want her to retain that and learn her lesson. Mm-hmm. Where the movies of this era are almost like, her lesson is learning she can't be a headstrong, right. independent more Taming yeah, right. of the Shrew. She has of, to yeah. be married or yeah, yeah. Taming of the Shrew is a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah big time. But I guess, I guess both of them, you know, to, to play devil's advocate, both of these movies are about... That that the best match actually includes sexual attraction and hots. Yes, you know that yeah. that 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 is the turning point for both of them is that they're both like they melt into each other. Yeah, um, which I think is is worth sort of noting because it's not just about society's rules and playing the game and winning the money at the yeah. end and getting married. It's about getting married to someone who you really want to bang. You really want to bang. No one yeah. wants, and that's just as adorable as the foppish fiance was. Nobody wants to bang that guy. No, no. well he's. Clearly an idiot. Like, he doesn't... But he's aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make it better, though? I don't know. But I know it's, that's what I you're saying know. about how there's all these elements that you can all... Like, you could see on the page and be like, oh, I know how to flesh that out and make that more interesting and more weird or more kind of connected to the three of each... Of yeah, yeah, yeah. The spectrum of theme in, in what's yeah. happening here. But I do think yeah. that there is... The, I think there's a sense that the Love Parade was probably such a big hit that it's like, quick, next one, now! It yeah. makes me wonder. I'm like, I, I wanted it to know... It was pretty quick. After the lyrics the next and music yeah, the 1930 in the film. Yeah. Right, so. it's 1930 here and 1929 was the one before. Uh, yeah, so they yeah. they cranked the, uh, uh, yeah. it right wow. after. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, I, I like, because even the music in this one was just like... Brrr. Yeah, well, this would have been yeah. the era, so Jeanette McDonald would have been on contract probably at Paramount. Yes, right. right. So it would have just been like, you're doing whatever we hand you next. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the day of, like, actors getting scripts and deciding what they want to do like, it's like this yeah. is your next movie yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah hope you like yeah, it yeah she's on a weekly fee for uh, Paramount they even say here Maurice Chevalier was elsewhere taking taking you know advantage of his newfound American stardom to headline all this stuff and so he cast British Broadway theater actor Jack Buchanan oh it's too mm-hmm. bad he, Maurice Chevalier would have been Great in this. I did. I, I really liked Jack Buchanan. But did you? I liked. I liked what he like what he was doing, but there was no chemistry between mm-hmm. the two of them. No, that's and it was the, creepy. Yeah, there was moments where what he was doing worked to some extent, but it just didn't. I never felt like I wanted them to get together. No, no. I was kind of mm-hmm. hoping it would end with them all three of them going off on their own ways, but having mm-hmm. learned some kind of mm-hmm. lesson. Mm-hmm. I would have been down mm-hmm. if she'd married the the Duke. Honestly, like if they'd been married and he she was like. Yeah, okay. Like, fine. And I'll keep you on the side. You know what? This, yeah, is, yeah, this yeah. is great. You're yeah. nice to me. Yeah. And this is what our marriage is going to be. Let's go into it with eyes open. Like, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, honestly. that would have been fine for me, too, because yeah. he's nice, and he and he doesn't. he's not expecting anything from her. Yeah. I was also sort of hoping that he was going to fall in love with her lady's maid a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, mm-hmm. that's... Because her maid I found fascinating. Like, what's her inner life? That's exactly that's, yeah. that, that's, that's that's She has that great little woman. moment. She's like, you can't floor the chambermaids. Yeah. I'm not a chambermaid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody film was so close together when they were speaking like all of their faces were so close together yeah i really like i really like there's uh we haven't we haven't really talked about music in this i will i, I just mm. want to give a shout out oh, to yeah. the best song ever written for a movie musical trim in the women trim in the women trim oh, in the yes. women. oh my yes. god yeah, yeah that was that was remarkable the, that and t- and the coffee uh, choreography the coffee the choreography yeah. was amazing yeah. inside mm-hmm. of that they that yeah. scene is phenomenal in itself and then my second favorite thing in this movie was the running gag of the different hour chimes on that mm-hmm. clock. And every time it came out, it was a different instrument. Fuck, that was a beautiful gag. So funny. 
I like so the, just he's, a, he's a simp, he's a simp, he's a simpering fool, or he's, he's an ass, he's an, he's ass. an ass, he's a nasty brute. That, that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That made me excited for the movie at first. A nass was the best. You know what I wanted to talk about also was the fact that I kind of, like, you can you can tell in movies when the song comes on and the vo- vocal quality changes that, 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 you know, that has been pre-recorded. But I'm watching this movie and I can't believe... The, it's kind of seamless. Mm-hmm. It's seamless, and it's and it's mm-hmm. all. It makes even with Marishavalia. I was like, you are lip syncing so well. I'm almost. I'm trying to. I can't. I can't believe it's lip syncing. Like the especially for something from this period where you think that would be quite complicated. Complicated to do. Mm-hmm. Exact. Like I'm. I'm watching it, and I'm. Ne- I've never. Like even in films like West Side Story and things like that, mm-hmm. which you imagine to be more sophisticated, you can really oh, tell that they're lip syncing. Well, I wonder, and were they lip syncing? I don't know if they I are. Yeah, well, okay, I see. they might not. The be. The sound is really good. It's interesting in this one. There was so much more foley than in the first one. Mm-hmm. Like the oh, sound yeah. of footsteps, the sound of their feet on exteriors. the gravel. There was a lot more exteriors. There was yeah. yeah, because in the in the first one, it was just like if no one was talking or singing, it was silent. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That and whole in this se- one, the mics are open. In the love parade, there's a whole sequence where they're running back and forth at the end. And through the, ca- and and the castle, silent. and it's like silent. Yeah, yeah, but in, yeah, in this one, when they're you know they're walking on paths, and we hear their footsteps, and there's so much more atmospheric sound. It's interesting that even like in a year's time, like they would have made more. that shift. Yeah, I wonder if they were singing live because yeah. I agree with you. I I can't imagine that that was I, sound sync. Yeah, we'd have, to, we'd have to look it up, but yeah. I feel like they were too. That's what I thought when we were watching the Love Parade too. Because again, they're inventing the musically here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're playing, it's the wild, wild west of, of filmmaking yeah. in this era. And they're like, yeah, let's try this. Yeah. Why wouldn't you sing live? You yeah. sing live in the theater. Well, and it makes but, sense gosh, too. How would, they pl- how would they sync it with the, the, you know, the orchestra? Like well, you, they'd you, be playing? You put yeah. it in the way you put score in later on. I guess so, yeah. Because that, that would be easier than yes. to try to have to do some something else. Because really... I think that's probably how they had to do it because you didn't have sync sound the way we did. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, like we're just coming out of like when when talking cameras first when the talking cameras when talkies first came out. Like these cameras were sometimes in a different room, right. and that's why because they're so loud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't. I think we're past that now in this time mm-hmm. frame. But you know, so cine- cinematography took a huge step backwards mm-hmm. because you couldn't move the camera because they were so big and clunky. Yeah. To do that, and that's why. The Italian, all the Italian films uh, are all su- um, dubbed, yeah. like right. every line of dialogue, because they, they were using real locations and doing really cool things with cinematography, mm-hmm. and so they had to dub every line, yeah. because the camera was just so fucking loud. I did find the cinematography much less interesting than this film. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really is just sort of medium shots, other than the kind of, yeah. uh, the cutaways to, you know, Objects. It's mm-hmm. mostly just sort of yeah, proscenium sort yeah. of and down panning. to the knees too, which is interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Time's up. What are our final thoughts? Uh, it, not as exciting as the love parade so far. Yeah, but but cool to see Jeanette McDonald again and some of those same actors. And I think actually probably part of the sound thing, like they've proved that they can do all of that live. So yeah. why not hire them again? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Jeanette McDonald really like she just goes for it this yeah. time. She yeah. is she is dominant. In yeah. This yeah, she knows yeah. she's good. And yeah. she is yeah. it's a very modern performance. Like when it she's really weeping is. and crying and screaming at, and at the end, tearing like, her hair. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Just I'm gonna so ruin you. Yeah, yeah, it was so. It, yeah, she's very great. modern. Mm-hmm. Love it. She leaves right. everyone else in the dust a little bit. She's so great. I love All her. All right. So next up is the smiling lieutenant. Ooh. Not Jeanette McDonald's. I don't think so. I don't know if she's not in or not. We'll find okay, out. We'll find out. 
Really, really <laughs> yeah. enjoying this. Yeah, this, <laughs> was a huge, this is a, pl- a plot point. This was, exactly. Yeah. All right, so I'm, sex music. I'm going to read, it's true, I'm going to read the description. Maurice Chevalier's Randy Viennese lieutenant is enamored by of Claudette Colbert's free-thinking all-girl orchestra-leading cutie. Mm-hmm. But complications ensue when the sexually repressed princess of the fictional kingdom of Flossentherm, played by newcomer Miriam Hopkins, wow. sets her sights on him. A smile in ten is a delightful showcase for its rising female stars who are never more charming than when Colbert tunefully instructs Hopkins to jazz up your lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This one was amazing. This was, amazing. Yeah, this was my favorite yeah. so far. Yeah. So in Love, it was Love Parade, right? The first one that we yeah. watched? Mm-hmm. I was making fun of Maurice Chevalier for not being able to wink. He kept blinking like he was winking. And then in this one... With both eyes. With, with both, both eyes. eyes, yeah. He just kept him like... And then in this one... During, during like, the inciting incident, <laughs> really, he winks and wink. you made fun of it. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, he learned how to wink. And then it turns out it's the major plot point It's yeah. the Lubitz touch yeah. in this film. <laughs> It is the it's the touch. inciting incident of everything that happens yeah. in this film, and it's and it's the re- and it's the little bit's touch. It's yeah, the rear yeah, exactly. Gag that yeah, happens yeah, throughout. it's the callback. Well, there's yeah, a couple. There's the... a couple good ones in this one. There's the chessboard is one. Yes, oh, there's checkerboard. Uh, checkerboard. Checkerboard. Sorry, checkerboard. Yeah. Uh, holy fuck! And here's and here's the difference between like the second one we watched and this one mm-hmm. is the cast. Yes, and it's just like all three leads are charming as. fuck. Fuck. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. so good. Even her, even in such different ways. Even Miriam Hopkins, uh, she's who incredible. Is playing the repressed one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she has the most, the biggest journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I will be, I'm, I'm a little sad. For, so basically, what happens is that uh, this lieutenant who plays, played by, to just such amazingness by Marie Chevalier, is this uh, lieutenant, this charming as fuck lieutenant, who uh, falls in love with this female band leader. Who's touring? She's a touring band leader, yeah, I guess. Yeah, touring. Yeah, violinist. Mm-hmm. But uh, and uh, and they fall in love, and so he's on duty when uh, a, a visiting uh, ambassador is coming through, and he winks at her. The king the, of another the country. The king yeah. of a small country mm-hmm. with his daughter. They're coming through, and they've been complaining about how everyone treats them like crap in this country, and that they're not t- treated seriously. And so, just as he's as they are passing by, he happens to wink at the girl he loves. And is mistaken as him winking or mocking them. And so to cover it all up, he has to go and, and, and say that he winked at the princess, which leads to her falling in love with him and them having to get married, because otherwise he'll be killed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. killed. Yeah, he's court-martialed. Yeah. So, uh, and that's basically the setup for this. And then, of course, he marries her because he doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. And then it's about... Can he, he... He's also actually never given a choice. Like, everyone is like... Like, the emperor comes to him and is like, congratulations, you're well, married, engagement. you're getting yeah, yeah. married. And yeah. I love the casualness of uh, when her father calls up. He's like, get the emperor on the phone. Hey, hey, emp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, some of the jokes in this are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah compared to the second movie where we were kind of mostly silent, this one we were clapping and laughing yeah, this almost one was the amazing. whole time. Well, yeah. and I was so impressed that both of the women were playing their instruments for real. Like, mm-hmm. that was so cool. That's mm-hmm. so cool and rare to see. Yeah. Nowadays, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Like, that was, that was pretty awesome. There's also that, I think, and if, and if we're looking at this in terms of, like, Lubitsch is the guy that's kind of inventing the Hollywood musical, I feel like this is the first time we've seen a song being cross-cut between two scenes. Mm. And they yeah. kind of have a duet with each mm-hmm. other. Yeah, which yeah. Which is commonplace now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, the idea of showing two different perspectives in the same song. In the song. same song, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There was also, I found in this one, a lot of camera movement. Like, a lot they were more. following mm-hmm. so much, much longer shots. Yeah, longer dolly shots, yeah. tons of dolly shots. Like, coming in and coming mm-hmm. out. It mm-hmm. was, it was, it was neat to see. Like, it was way, it was a huge leap forward sophistication in terms of the mm-hmm. movie making, it seemed to me. When was this one made? This was the year just after. Right after. This yeah. is They're all, like, right, one year apart. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Lubitsch is, is in his goal. He's his, pushing it. He's he's really in his element here. But just yeah. like the technological advances they've made. Because again, the, there was more Foley in this. Like, more close-ups. Yeah. Different lenses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the sound was good. Like mm-hmm. it's, The lighting was exceptionally good. It's like, crazy mm-hmm. to see what they're, like, yeah, what they're doing just like year over year. Mm-hmm. This was a delight. Yeah. I friggin' loved this movie. Yeah. yeah. And again, the, the using music and using... The kind of the idea of modernity or the idea of of, of equality between the sexes mm-hmm. as being the thing that is the most important part that is to learn is that in the end it's about the sexual chemistry between two people. Yeah. Even in the constraints that we could argue against of this film saying that, you know, in the end there's no way for them to not be married. Once they're married, he's yeah. locked in. There's no way. And they, they sort of start off the movie saying that, you know, basically... Marriage is is a kind of institution trap. that's it's a trap and it's yeah. devoid of of love or kind of excitement and the fun thing. I mean, I did not expect when she arrived at the at the castle and we we knew it was a trap that when the the the, the new wife who has not had sex yet with her husband, uh, you know, that they have this confrontation that that would turn into basically like a, a Sandra D a Sandra D yeah, moment. Pig yeah, Pig yeah. Moment. I, well, I thought yeah. of it as Greece. I thought of it as yeah. like, yeah, a total yeah. total Greece ending. Well, I, but more, no, it is, but more but, satisfying. Yeah. yeah, I appreciated that there because like there wasn't any real vilification of the violinist character for having the affair with yeah. Piggy while he was married. Like they like they didn't really that, like paint her like she was a harlot or a slut or any of these things. It she, was just like she did herself and in another darker Lubitsch touch she says that girls who start off having That's breakfast true. don't get to stay for dinner she does mm-hmm. it she does it herself though which is really interesting like no well, one else in the world is being like yeah. you are garbage you're disgusting she's yeah. the one who's... she is the one in theory but it's also the movie doing that that's true it's the filmmakers going of course she couldn't end up with him she's right. a whore yeah right well yeah I, I, I agree with both uh, but I, I think that definitely the movie's not saying she's a whore she's saying that that's that's her being a liberated woman in her own right, in her own yeah. way, mm-hmm. and once he's married, then that's the thing that is unstoppable. She's doing the right. Thing. I don't think it's saying that she won't find love some other place and mm-hmm. have a great yeah, life. Yeah, that she's irredeemable. Yeah. I don't think. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, and that's what I, I want to take away from it too, because also she walks away at the end going, "Now I'm good. They should be together." Yeah, yeah. I like. I love that scene between those two women. I loved it. Yeah, because it's so. It gets started to get gritty and really mean, but it's like Nikki didn't slap each other. But, but the moment before, when she's like, Nikki knew about that for you, it's like, of course you didn't. That, Nikki has taste. And then she slaps, and she slaps him back, and they both start bawling, and then she get they both get napkins, and they. Yeah, yeah. They both, okay. get, they both get the fangs out, and then as soon as the smack happens, they both kind of collapse, and then she gets, yeah. And yeah. then they get into the, the what is like the best ongoing innuendo of how music is sex mm-hmm. yeah. throughout the entire. Entire yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. they Non-stop. literally set underwear on fire to a tinkling piano. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, not exactly. it's like they're. It's almost like they're not even bothering with the innuendo at one point. It's just literally vi- like he plays the piano so well, and he loves chamber music. Yeah, yeah that's like, so great. But it's yeah. just yeah. throughout. It's just very clear that we're talking about sex right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
all the time. Yeah. And, you know, hey, rhythm. Also, that breakfast song was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. That goes yeah. in the greatest hits along with like, Sherman for Women. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should in make an way. album. To, we should make a, a playlist. A Spotify. To release yeah. We're going to make a Spotify <laughs> loop of this. Yeah. We can track um, them. The greatest hits. But the, the way they, that, that, that it's just, like, it just to play into, like, even though we didn't love the second mm-hmm. one, you know, the visual comedy like they're doing it here too but they're doing it uh not just visually but just cinematically so stuff like as soon as he hears that music playing differently at the end he's like something's different mm-hmm. and it's musical but the music represents the sexuality yeah mm-hmm. and we know that as the audience and he knows that as the character mm-hmm. well even but, the joke when when she when she's asking her dad about what stepping out means and the king tells her what stepping out means and she says does that mean that all musician women are like that yeah. and he says not really and she says well i can play and then she tr- tries to win him back. And for a moment you think, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. She's an expert piano player, but she's playing a more classical sort of yeah. chamber music type stuff. And it's stilted, too. It's, Even her yeah. performance of it was so, like, stilted mm-hmm. and awkward. And for him. Whereas yeah. when she's playing at the end, it's, like, all about her and her cigarette and the timing and the... Oh, yeah. so amazing. Yeah, just that look she gives him at the end of the song. She's like, eh, this is me. <laughs> so... I'm going to dream about that look where she takes off her robe and is standing there in her underwear. Yeah, I'm gonna just be, I'm gonna be, just I was posing like, with the bird. With the bird. Cage. I love it. I love, love it. it so it's much. It's so good. Um, I also loved, we we were really enjoying just kind of the mockery of the formalities of like yes. royalty. Mm. There's yes. a great scene where he gets the, the letter and then he goes to this other guy who's waking, he, he grabs a tray, the silver tray out of just gloves. A, like just a tray out of like the closet mm-hmm. yeah. and puts it on and gives it to the other guy who then has to put it in a bag and do his other shit. And he gives it to the daughter, who then wakes up the king to give it to him, and he didn't see any of it. <laughs> he didn't yeah, see any yeah. of the rule. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and yeah, he's, the- he's really interested in that idea of how the work goes around to make the sort of the monarchy happen. Yeah, like the, in all the movies, there's been a little bit of that. The sort of meaningless trappings yeah. of ritual that mm-hmm. like everyone just does because yeah. we, it's always been done this way. There's but, a literally a five minute scene where two characters we've never seen before <laughs> come seen in and inspect and do both the same thing, but one for the female and one for the male as they sort of check the bedchamber yeah. and put the perfume and check the, the, uh, the pillows and then they're never seen again. And then <laughs> he declares this bedchamber is officially a bedchamber. Yeah. <laughs> no, this royal bedchamber is officially a royal bedchamber. Yeah. Phenomenal. So this wedding day is now a wedding night, and they all blow out their candles. But it's yeah. interesting, like, the, the three things that the films have all had in common is that they all have, like, uh, they're all but royal people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's just not, like, I guess the idea is musicals have to be big, and they can't be about common people. They yeah. Have to. But there's a col- common thread in all of them about the common people. In fact, in the Love Parade, each time. there's mm-hmm. literally uh, a song about it, where Being it's just common. like, I'm so glad we're common people, because yeah. we, really we can have rough yeah. sex. And we, no, one, yeah, yeah. no one cares what we do, yeah. Yeah, and that's right. what's, so it's interesting that it's almost like he's aware that, oh, to get people interested, you've got to talk about princesses and kings and queens, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that audiences want to see because they're trying to escape the depression mm-hmm. and whatever else is going on in America at the time. But deep down, you know, you can tell that Lubitsch really wants to tell stories about regular people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he gets to later on in his career with other things. But yeah. in, in this, when he's in this, this little role of these musicals he's doing, it seems to be uh, the common ground of, uh, of the... The, the type of characters. Yeah, the music in this one I think was the best. We've yes, so far. I liked yeah. this music the most. Although it felt to me like there was the least of it. In this yeah, one. oh, it's true. Yeah, um, the least numbers that felt like the story stopped and a number began. Yeah. This one really felt it like each through, song yeah. pushed yeah. the story forward. I also wonder, like. 
because Maurice Chevalier wasn't in the last one, and you know, according to the, our Criterion box, it it was you know he was off enjoying the spoil of fame. Like <laughs> this to me seems much more like a leading role than either of the roles in in uh, the last one that we mm-hmm. watched. Like Monte Carlo, both of those roles they seem like of equal weight, whereas this feels so much more like. Maurice Chevalier mm-hmm. gets to be the lead of this film, and I Although, just wonder if until like the third the act, scenes. really, he kind of dis- it dro- he drops off, and it becomes about the women in the third act, which I liked a lot. I mean, it does, but it's like it's that scene with the two of them. But otherwise, it's like we're following Nikki always. Mm-hmm, like it's always yeah. about what Nikki's doing. But that until said, that it's one like scene. he doesn't really have an arc in the sense that that's true. All of a sudden, it's just she's now more alluring to him because she's kind of more like the other girl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he doesn't really go through a change. Yeah, she changes for him. Yeah. I think in comedies in these days too, the the idea of like the change of the character wasn't as yeah wasn't yeah. as codified into our no that's just it we're we're, 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 we're applying mm-hmm. that but we do have but it's interesting it would have been interesting to see like to see Anna to get a meet her a beat before where we saw that the repression was something that like was instilled upon her and that yeah. there was something inside of her brimming but she mm-hmm. kept it repressed because she thought that's what she was supposed to do yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, yeah. so that way it wasn't just like because what I don't want to walk away from this thinking is that she changed for him right I want to believe yeah. that she just became the person she was always meant to be mm-hmm. right but I think I think in the terms of the times it would be seen as Thank God she's liberated now. Like all women are liberated, yeah. you know. Like I, I think that, that until the coat, more, the Hayes coat comes in. Yeah, yeah. And, now, and I want to read now about how the Hayes. It's how fascinating it to me like, thinking about like these three movies in particular, right before the Hayes Code, and thinking about how progressive these female characters feel about <laughs> their sexuality yeah. and everything, and then going, "Oh right," because the Hayes Code comes in and basically says. Men and women have to be this. Women do this. Men do this. But not only that, if they do that, they must be punished. Mm -hmm. You know, if they transgress, like you're saying about how Claudette Colbert's character is not... There's, there's no outside world saying she would have she's to be therefore she, she would have to be dead him. at the end of this movie yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah she has yeah. to be punished because she's a terrible example and that's what happens yeah, to yeah. bad people is that they get punished and in this one she's actually an example of oh you can be free and yeah. expressive and and that will help you yeah. live a really fulfilling sex life like, yeah you like, can go through experiences learn mm-hmm, grow mm-hmm. change help other people and then yeah. move on with your life be a traveling musician yeah. you know and lead your own all female orchestra which is also bad Ass. Yeah, they're all amazing. Like yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. She was. I want. I want to be Claudette Colbert's Frenzy, and she has a cool Frenzy. name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Frenzy. Frenzy. I want to be her when I grow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, would watch awesome. like a, a sequel about Frenzy. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Frenzy's big on day the out. road. Yeah. yeah. Frenzy's big day out. I like that. <laughs> well, it happened one night. That's when I first saw her. She goes on to like Frank Capra and her, her and Clark Gable are the stars of It Happened One Night. Yeah. And what's known it. as the first screwball comedy. Oh, it's the best. Oh, we should, it's. We should watch that. It's a, a good one. Oh, yeah. It, it's Frank Capra, September. like, 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 not like Frank Capra that we know in oh, terms great. of Mr. Smith or It's Wonderful. We life. should do another, uh, another marathon where we watch a, a later Jeanette McDonald film, mm-hmm. a later Claudette Cabert film, and a later yeah, Maurice Chevalier Yeah, in, in the Hayes Codes. Yeah, kind of yeah exactly. Yeah. Just to see, like, what happened in the I think we'll just be sad all day. Yeah, that's true. But do you know, like, we're going to have to find out because I don't understand when what, it came what in. Point I don't know what, the... what it was because. You know, at what point I think it was in time with the war. It was around mm-hmm. the time of the war. It was we were trying to change to sh- our morals. I think they were trying to strengthen the family bond and all this other oh stuff. I mean, I, it was around that time, so I feel well, like it was connected. It makes sense because, loss, like, connected to film as propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to, yeah, you, know, you can't that's, that's, that's you coming out of Germany. Yeah. 
you can't you can't talk ill about the government. You yeah. can't talk. So I think a lot of it had to do with World War Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should make a new example. But and I think it also had to do with communism and the idea that that the the moral fiber, you know, like that. Yeah, that is World War Two. But yeah. I mean, the main menace was always this idea of capitalism being killed from the inside yeah. by yeah. freedom and artists. Final thoughts. Um, that was amazing. I like that's up there with some of my favorite movies. I love that so much. I thought yeah. it was so great. Yeah, I can't believe I've never heard of that movie. I know, I know. Yeah. Shocking to me. I feel like I understand the Marx Brothers a lot better now. People, <laughs> check <laughs> out The Smiling Lieutenant. Yeah, it deserves a better title. Mm-hmm. Although maybe deserve. not. The title's pretty good. The title works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not the most enticing title. Yeah. It's great. No. All right, and now the final movie. I think it's called One Hour With You. One, one Hour With You. Is the name. That's why it's the shortest one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just it's an just hour. just over an hour. Maybe it takes it, maybe it's like the before sunset of, uh, Ooh. It's, it's all it all takes place in real time. It's like one place in one take. Like rope. It's one take. Mm-hmm. All right. To be continued. Actually, I don't remember any of the songs in this one. It was less of a musical. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It was definitely. It was less. They were all kind of musical light, though. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the musical thing does tie them all together. This one didn't have any royalty. They were. They were just upper class. Yeah. Yes, very upper class. That garden was something else. Mm-hmm. All right, so let me, read the, let me read our synopsis for those uh, at home. Whenever with you. Whenever you. Lubitsch reunites Marie Chevalier and Jeanette McDonald, this time as a seemingly blissful couple whose marriage hits the skids when her flirtatious school chum comes on to him a bit too strong. Necking in the park at nighttime, husbands and wives having casual dalliances, and a butler telling his master, I do so want to see you in tights. It's one of Lubitsch's sauciest escapades and his final pre-code musical. Final pre-code, well... Because I guess the code must have come in just after, so this is 1932. Yeah, I'm going to go home. That's what I'm going to do on the streetcar home. I'm going to be Wikipediaing the whole Hayes Code and how it all came to be and who ran it. And And how it fell apart. What the rules actually were. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing. So this one's interesting. I mean, this again, proto Woody Allen kind of. It's, it's a very wise. It's very Woody Allen esque, yeah. uh, which is not fair to say since this predates Woody Allen. Right. Um, that said, but it was interesting. It's like there's a charm to uh, Marie Chevalier just talking to the camera. Yeah, it felt almost like instructional <laughs> mm-hmm. but I like yeah. that but it was also there's something I mean first of all we're all very excited that it was Maurice and Jeanette together again I know then it wasn't as it wasn't a comedy in the same way the last one was it was no, a little more grounded. it was actually kind of it was kind of confronting a bunch of problems where we were squirming mm. with the decisions characters were making and being like mm. no shit I would say that for, for all of them like this was the one that felt the most grounded mm-hmm. it also felt the one that the most like I had no idea where it was gonna go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not Up sure this could go. Yeah, I really and I liked that a lot about it. It didn't feel like it had a formula the way the other ones felt. They fit into kind of not screwball, but they felt that they fit into a comedy mold. Where I'm like, oh, this is gonna happen here, and that's gonna happen there. Although I will say for Smiling Lieutenant, I wasn't sure how which girl he was gonna end up with. Yes, mm-hmm. same. Yeah. So yeah, I don't love that this ultimately equated what happened to her with what he did. Right, like, yes. Oh, yeah. that is somehow, like, she's like, 50-50, tit for tat. It's like, because your best friend refused to take no for an answer. Yeah, yes. And, like, continued to come on to her While to you wife. were grieving. Well, because <laughs> and his justification like, is that she had a dream about it. Like, and she, that makes it okay. And, and that, yeah, exactly. Dream. He never actually gets the truth. You're right. He kind of goes. He thinks she's lying. Yeah, he's like, yeah, just right. Go with it. He yeah. thinks she's lying. Which is even worse, kind of. And as well, especially because in her dream, she's 
his experience of her dream is her screaming, get out, get out, or I'll tell my yeah, husband. Yeah, like, that's right. That's not like, yeah. ooh, fun, sexy, ha-ha. That's yeah. like, who is this guy and why are we friends? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> like, yes, we, red flags never really see why they're friends. Yeah. Yeah, my charming friend Adolf couldn't rape a fly. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> the best man guy. Yeah, yeah. Little do exactly. you know. Oh, yeah, man. creepy. Yeah, the la- last time the best friend of romantic comedy was ever named Adolf is this movie. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Pre-code, is, pre-World yeah. War II. Pre-code, pre-World War II. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I will. I mean, that's kind of the common thread of these these four movies is that they're all really progressive and fascinating up into the third act. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden it turns into that age of storytelling, which is fascinating. I would, I would redo all the endings for most of these movies. Mm. Uh, that said, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. There's a very, because it's really, what I loved about this and made me really fascinated from the get-go is it starts off with them as a married, first of all, what I like, and I'm sure, I don't know if you guys felt this way, I certainly did, and I imagine the audiences do, because this is a time in history when there's not like, hundred movies coming out a year mm-hmm. you know so there's only a handful of movies come out a year at this point I'm sure the audience was excited too to see those two together again mm-hmm. and so to like use that pre-existing relationship uh, against the audience to start, start with we're happily ever after yeah. and then, this yeah. is the happily ever after now it happens after this this is this is where most movies end yeah, yeah. right you know, so what happens next? And I love that because it's like when a movie starts that way, you're like, "Oh fuck, what's going to happen to you guys?" <laughs> right. yeah, you guys yeah. are really happy. You're making, you're a married couple making it out of the park. What's going to go wrong? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, which man. is which is which is then too bad. I think again to our problem in the last couple of movies where we were like, sometimes when the casting really works, we can totally buy the story. And this one, I think the casting really fell down with the the kind of other woman with Mitzi. She was so kind of villainous and Disney esque and and kind of unattractive and an obviously yeah. kind of like you're just mean you're kind gross. of way. Yeah, you're not a um, good person at all. I get, yeah. like him falling for your routine just sucks. Yeah, because you're a bad friend. And really selfish. Conniving. You're mean to literally everyone. Your like, husband's no... already following yeah, yeah. you. Mitzi for, sucked. Yeah. Mitzi sucked. Yeah. And, but I will say that that song, Oh That Mitzi, is going on the greatest hits. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. His yeah. face. His? When, oh, that just. Mitzi. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get to feeling like Frizz Freeling and all the Chuck Jones guys at uh, Warner Brothers making the Bugs Bunny would just watch him and be like, let's yeah. just do it. I him. will say. Like, for takes. Uh, not not to not to disagree with what you're saying with Mitzi and that whole setup because I do think we're not ever supposed to want him to have a dalliance with Mitzi. We're supposed to be upset when that happens. Yeah. But I will say the way he acts in that song, at least puts me in his mindset where I'm like, I'm not going to justify whatever you're going to do. Right. But at least now I see your point of view. I guess. Right. You're like, I'm in love. I love my wife. It's everything. But it's I just, just like I wish that she because like you know in. Um, Oh my god, they're all blending together. What's the last what's the set, the last one we just watched? Smiling, smiling, Lieutenant. smiling Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Like the juxtaposition. <laughs> um we liked both of those women and so like even though Anna was like annoying and self-centered, you know, like all of those things, it was still she was still charming and she still had charisma. Mm-hmm. And you felt for her. Like she was a more three-dimensional character whereas Mitzi was just like this wretched villainess who who I did I didn't even she just was like one of those characters where it's like oh I want what I can't have mm-hmm, yeah. I'm just gonna cause trouble for trouble's sake yeah, yeah it would have been an interesting contrast if it had been a couple who was you know 
uh, understandably unhappy or yeah. like ill matched to each other yeah, yeah. if we had kind of gotten to know her inside that marriage and and her husband because we didn't really get to know her husband either. No, no he, he was, was also just sort of a. He, he no, was the just first like time we meet feeling. him, you get the sense that he's, Blank. he wants a divorce. Yes. Yeah, and is looking for a reason, a to way get to get out. Because yeah. he sees them get in the cab together, and he's like, "Oh, thank God, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is my, my way out." Because mm-hmm. yeah. back then you couldn't just get divorced because you were unhappy. You had yeah. to prove that. There was infidelity. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah and we didn't even see the, the kind of, you know, we didn't, we didn't even see the problem of him having to go to court and be a witness. No. You know what I mean? But I, I, did, I did love that scene where he comes by and he's just like, here's all the facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're going through and they're, and they're having a really civil conversation. He's like, look, man, I'm not mad. It's like, what happened to happen? I just want you to be a witness because I want to get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like that about him. I thought there's something interesting there. But yeah, it's like, you know, we want those, we want, um, is it Andre? Andre and Colette to be together, and everyone else just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Although, with, I don't know, at the end, I would have been okay if they'd split up. If, if Colette had been like, F you, Andre, you're going to do this again for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure he's going to do well, it Well, he again. does a mm-hmm. series of shitty things at the end. Yeah. He, he is, you know, weighing the choice between going out with Missy and staying with his wife and then he does this shitty thing and putting it on her. It's like, yep. so you got two and a half minutes to believe me or I'm I'm leaving for the night. And she's like, well, then fucking go. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, but ugh. Yeah. if you go, he's going to use it as, as a, well, you pushed me out the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. told me to go. Yeah. yeah. It's the your o- fault. The only part that I I truly, really loved is when he did the She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not with that oh flower. Oh my god, that but was But it amazing. went on so long. <laughs> that was really Each good. Each sentence was, like, was so incredibly long. And he did it every time. Oh my god. Yeah. There was lots of great bits that in and of themselves were just kind of just amazing comedic ideas. But also the problem with this one is just like the problem with so many comedies where it's just like they're using the lack of communication mm-hmm. as... Because if, if either... I mean, I, I don't understand why him not having... I, I, I can't you just argue my, my tie got untied by accident? Can it's, you tie it up, honey? Him not being able to go back in felt like a weird thing. Mm. Yeah. But then the other one is just like, tell your wife her friend sucks. Yeah. Mm, yeah the movie yeah. would be over. Because, I mean, at the end they do say that. It's like, look, if you have open communication, your marriage would be fine. Yeah. But she's saying it's okay for your husband to be a playboy and you can have dreams. Yeah, that's Which a different. Which is yeah. just upsetting. Yeah, the, this for me, I don't agree that the other ones fall down in the third act. This for me is the only one that actually felt like it ended, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Like, yeah, and it did feel yeah. like a little they don't, morality. They don't necessarily lesson. fall down for me, but you see, like the age of the movie. Oh, yeah, I, I still don't agree because I still would put most romantic comedies, and to me, you're still seeing a kind of like women ought to be even today. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I still feel like that 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 standard is still pretty much there. Right. That's yeah. that said, there is something again. Like I would like remake this and keep that the idea of that ending where it's just two people. Talk. I, I even liked it to the camera stuff, but I like the idea of saying, "Look, it's like marriage is hard. It's hard to sustain these things. So it's like if you have open communication and you're both cool with what the other person does, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do but, whatever you want as long as it's what you both want. Yeah, as long as you're talking and everyone's on the same page, yeah. then do it. Do, be, you know, be yeah, you. it's true. If she had actually had sex with a friend. Yeah. And then the two of them had uh, had admitted to it, each of them gone crazy, and then actually yeah. resolved it. That would have But been, we still love yeah. each other. That was an amazing ending for 1932. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he was also being super infantilizing at the end, just being like, there's no way that this is possibly true. Just say yes, just, say just yes, go away. Yeah, say exactly. yes. And it's just like, that's so awful. Yeah. So the movie ends with him not realizing his best friend's is shit. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, or believing that his wife would have would someone actually kiss. Yeah, or that someone would go after his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make yeah, a lot of dumb. weird references. Maurice Savalia, you suck in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he does. It I means, mean, he's awesome in this movie, awesome, but, but his character sucks. But it's funny that it's. I mean, it's kind of like two. We got two out of four that we all loved, yeah. and it feels like the this one again felt like just like made up on the fly. Some scenes mm. just did not really, yeah, be were not part of the story. Yeah, I love the overall concept of this one. I like the, I like that it was different than the other ones, and that it wasn't about royalty. I felt like mm-hmm. it was about more about like modern relationships of that era. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a lot of elements I liked a lot. I would rank them. Like it's almost like a really close tie of of Love Parade and Smiling Lieutenant for me in first place, and then this would be like just below below them, with Monte Carlo being a firm third or fourth fourth (laughs) place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would a remake of this would be really interesting in like modern in modern you know based on our standards. But I kind of feel like we already have a whole bunch of these kind of things. We yeah. kind of do. It sort of reminds me of um uh friends and neighbors. I was going to say, yeah, I wondered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's in that sort of yeah, there's something about it that reminds me of that situation in that film. <laughs> but But you want but, but, but you, with, there's something about the talking to the camera even. that's like really yeah. Kind of, well, Woody cool. Allen do- stole that, obviously. Yeah. I mean, not stole. Yeah, Woody Other Allen. people have done it, but he yeah. used it a lot. Yeah. No, but in, in in a modern version, you would you know you'd make Mitzi more three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, yeah. You make Mitzi more three dimensional. You make um, you make. I mean, you make all of them more three dimensional. Because what this movie was missing was the scene that was in the Smiling Lieutenant between the two women. Yes. Where once they both find out what's going on, they have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which was so incredible and refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I, the slaps were amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because nobody ever gets to call Mitzi on being a shit. No, mm-hmm. Mitzi just swans off with the gauzy painting, the Lausanne. To her mom's house. And, and as opposed to the other movies where really the kind of female journey was perhaps more central, even though mm-hmm. Maurice was maybe the, the sort of protagonist, to, mm-hmm. I guess, in, in the first one. It really feels like this one, Jeanette's character, does not have a lot. There were also so many... Of, I don't know. There were so many mentions of her being old. Like, right, she, kept, yeah, yeah. she was... She, her character, for some reason, was so sensitive about maybe being old. But she's just like... The first time that we saw her was, what, three years yes, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, it's Hollywood, man. I mean, I mean, I guess, but that's a she, bit expensive, oh kids. She's aging out. Um, yeah. Those dresses. Oh, my God. All, oh the, my God. all the no bras. Yeah. It's just, it's just so pre-code, you see everyone's lot of, bodies. It's a lot so of beautiful. pre-code wardrobe in these movies. Yeah, yeah it's kills uh, me. Good. Yeah, no, I still, there's something about this one that I dug. There's something about that, I, that, that it'll stick with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still, I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad we watched all of them. Oh even gosh. even like marathon Lubachathon, two thousand eighteen, <laughs> and it's like at the same time this is probably the best way to watch these movies. Oh yeah, hmm. it's just like binge them. Well, because in context with each other, they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I saw like if I just seen the Smiling Lieutenant, it'd be like okay, well that's like that's its own thing. If I had only seen this, I don't even know what I would think. It's also interesting. It's like seeing the deep cuts, you know what I mean? Like you appreciate why something works a little better. If you listen to the band's album where they tried something and it doesn't actually work. Like I feel now I want to actually look at the rest of the order and go through it step by step yeah, to get to the to masterpieces. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah, this is definitely your... These are like the, the basement tapes, mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. in, in, to some extent. And then you get the... 
Check out Heaven Can Wait for sure. Little Shop Around the Corner is great, especially if you oh, like yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta yeah. see. I yeah. love Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, good. So good. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up. What are what are our final thoughts on uh, our Lubitsch experience? I feel like I want to put Alex in a movie where she where she you like play this period. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> a of all. Um, Can you sing? No, I mean, I, in, theory. Uh, in yeah. theory. I don't think I could sing like this, though. That's such a specific style. Yeah, no one wants anyone to sing like this anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Like Snow White. Um, uh, Jeanette McDonald is a revelation for me. That was, I've never seen, I've, I didn't know her before this. I've heard the name, but I didn't know any of her performances. And these were all, like, even, even that last one, like, she is so good and interesting mm-hmm. and like so honest within a style that I don't associate I associate it with you know sort of arch performances not with real grounded honesty um yeah she was magnificent I want to watch a mm-hmm. whole bunch of her other stuff yeah she's fantastic to me yeah, yeah. and also Marie Chevalier is that his face is one of the greatest things I've he, ever seen in my life yeah I, I don't recall amazing. like a lot of other stuff I've seen him in. Like, I knew the name but this was like my big now I'm in love with Marie Chevalier well it reminds me of when people would be like oh yeah Flavor Flav from that TV like the that TV show and you're like no it's public fucking enemy are you kidding me like you don't know how do you not know who Flav-? you know and for this because I would know Jeanette McDonald from Rosemary, the Mountie movies, and I would know Chevalier from Gigi and from like the the sort of sixties and seventies musicals. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, not seventies, sixties. Uh, so to see them in their prime, total prime, and with all the liberty granted to them by obviously a much less puritanical right. Hollywood world, it's just yeah, it's so so alive. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. All right, so there you go, kids. Take a deep. Once you get through all like your modern comedies, dive dive back here. Deep cuts. The 30s are more modern than we are. It yeah. is. Well, even having because I've gone through a lot of um, Billy Wilder movies, mm-hmm. and there are some in the middle that just suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's some that are just bad. Yeah. They're just the jokes aren't funny. They're super sexist. They're super misogynistic, and it's just like they're not progressive in any way, and they're just kind of embarrassing given how strong he is and how great he is when he's at his prime. Mm-hmm. And Lubitsch was like his mentor. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. he was the guy that he looked up to and I can you can totally see why. You can see how this guy has influenced everything and everyone in ways you don't think. I think of the way I like I love to do callbacks and I love to do jokes that build upon jokes mm-hmm. and never really knew that that was the Lubitsch touch. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's like that's the kind of like I it's the kind of thing where it's like I've just gotten into him in the last year. And I and his work has already influenced me through the people he's influenced. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's the it's it's the kind of complexity of flavors in one bite yeah. that is sweet and sour and a little salty and it's sort of sharp and you're like, whoa! I can't believe you can maintain that all in that scene that feel and and still make it feel like a pure comedy. Yeah, yeah. well, like such timeless comedy. Mm-hmm. Like some of the jokes in this are just the, like in these four films are the funniest jokes. Yeah, we were laughing. We were legit laughing our butts yeah. off mm-hmm. at many points. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which you can't say for a lot of old comedies. You can say like, oh, I can see how that made someone yeah. laugh. Especially yeah. stuff, well, especially when you get into like the stuff of the 70s and the 80s where it's like, it's like somewhat racist. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sexist. And you're just like, ooh. These well, ones are pure like clown bits, like turns, funny. clown turns. Yeah, yeah, that's, they're n- yeah, not sexist, not racist, not like racy, just like pure, like him plucking the leaves off that thing mm-hmm. and just trying to make 
that decision on the terrace it's is funny amazing. no matter what yeah yeah. No matter what the circumstances, or even are, gra- so go, going from the small glasses to, to the larger opera glasses, you know what I mean? Like just visually, yeah. like that's or the, the the clock and the different instrument every single yeah. time. Or there's that one bit in which I can't remember which one it was in now uh, with Marisha Valley when he's like about to be romantic and he says, "You know what they say when Napoleon they say they say goodbye." When Napoleon, when so Napoleon went off to Elba. So <laughs> You're putting some big romantic thing. He's like, yeah. I'm out. So long. <laughs> when Napoleon went to Elba, you know what he said. And yeah. so many of his songs, like, like not like in some musicals, but he looks like he's making up the lines on the spot. You, he makes it look like he's making up the rhymes, and he's dazzled by his own genius mm-hmm. and 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 the smile. He brings so it all to life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and the and the darkness of some of the jokes in here. Like, there's yeah. a moment, like when that woman shot herself, or we oh. thought so. There's a moment at the beginning of this one where uh, Mitzi's husband makes a comment how it's like there's this weird law in my country where if you shoot your wife, you go to jail. That's the end. Yeah, yeah, like, you're, wait, you're waiting for like another moment. You're like, oh no, that's just the thing. You're saying that you should be able to shoot your wife. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. So uh, yeah. Just so the best. Yeah. My closing thought is that uh, I I'm so happy that you guys came. I got and I got to watch yes. it this way. Yes. And I'm yeah. You know, I just can't wait to dive deeper into Lubitsch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I think. That's what I want to do. I want, now. I want to go in order and and sort of see the trajectory of his career because now I'm I'm hooked. So, yeah. but if I was going to recommend one, I would start with Love Parade and the Smiling Lieutenant. Yeah, and mm-hmm. but this one's interesting. This one's definitely interesting because you get the sense of like the modern um, thing. You can probably skip Monte Carlo. I wonder what his next one is. I wonder what the next one. Will, I will have to look it up. We can believe we'll that with you. We'll leave that with you. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Something I already know. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah. Jer. Thanks for joining us for the musicals of Ernest Lubitsch. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lot.